This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. My name is Nick. And I'm John. Today we will be discussing the entirety of HBO's Westworld TV series through Season 2, as well as some of your feedback. We will be spoiling everything through Season 2, Episode 10 of the series, so please pause and go catch up if you're not current on the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet and pledge as little as a dollar a month. To help us make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K, who is pledged at the level of ten dollars per month. And uh, since this is the last, this is the last episode of Westworld FM for this season, we might as well just go through real quick. We do have a show called Gone to Texas. It is a recap podcast for AMC's Preacher. Please go check that out if you are into Preacher, or if you're looking for something to watch in the two years that Westworld probably won't be on the air. <laughs> It might be a good time to catch up on some Preacher. We also did a recap podcast for a TV show called The Alienist that was on FX. It's based on a book uh, by Caleb Carr, and that was one season. It was a one and done, uh, but we do have a podcast outlining every episode of it, so please go check that out at thealienist.tv. Uh, we, our friends uh, over at Horror Movie Yearbook talk about horror movies uh, about every other week. They did an awesome uh, King of Kings uh Stephen King adaptation bracket which was quite a great episode you can go check that out at horrormovieyearbook.com and then John and I and sometimes Nick talk about video games on a show called the Midwest Game Nerds podcast please check that out at midwestgamenerds.com find links to all that stuff at midwestpodcastnetwork.com and find a link to give us money at patreon.com/midwestpodnet so here we are this is our season two wrap up of Westworld FM. We did get a uh, review on iTunes that I wanted to talk through. It says, Do yourself a favor and subscribe by Zalber Linda, someone who I think came to us in the Alienist show and left a, a nice review there. But she says, Alex, John, and Nick, another five star podcast. It's so comfortable listening to these three friends' thoughtful, funny, and sometimes spirited ideas and opinions on each episode of this unique show. I listened to three other Westworld podcasts, but when I found yours, I knew I would love it. You guys bring something special to podcasts. Thanks, and keep up the great work. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Zalber Linda. Yes, thank you. All true. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You recognize. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I really love hearing the people that have come over from The Alienist. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that was our strangest podcast uh, yeah it was it was pretty but it was interesting. But one of my favorites and i think it's honestly yeah. one of the most successful if you go on like a per episode basis essentially it was a lot of fun um so and that was a very unique show as like just the show itself not even our podcast so if you are looking for something to do in the off season uh check out the alienist yeah i almost want to go back and rewatch it now yeah just knowing that it's a one and done is 
is so different than everything else we've ever talked about. Oh yeah, because oh it's, yeah, you know, video games they go on as long as you want them to, mm-hmm. and you know, movies same thing. And then these other series they have a tendency to just go and go and go until they run out of steam. But the Alienist, it was like we knew we saw the finish line when we started. Yep, and it made it really interesting. Yeah, it absolutely did. Uh, we do have a friend on Facebook. His name's Jeremy. He had some great ideas. A lot of them are, are quite long, so I think you should go check out some of his comments on our posts on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash westworldfm. Uh, he did he did take a little issue after episode nine with my thought on how the hat thing, the hats collecting the data on the, the guests was, I thought that was stupid. And he kind of points out, yes, he points out that they are, um, there, there are things that point to it previously in this season uh the fact that carl strand says i want everything even the last stetson off of the hosts i don't know what the hosts are doing and why they would need the scanners but he seemed concerned with collecting the hats so i get that there were things pointing to that in the season i just still think it was a stupid answer to a question we weren't asking (laughs) i think that's fair because it puts a lot of technology in the hat too i mean if if the idea is that the hats are reading your mind, <laughs> which is, I don't know, I think we reached the point in the series where I, I reached that valley and kind of looked into it and was like, I don't know, this might be where it ends for me. Like, I, this is, I don't know if I could buy anymore. But if the hat's doing that, and but it's also storing the data, yeah. that, that counts on you retrieving that hat at the end of someone's Westworld journey. Unless it's like wirelessly transmitting through the mesh network or something. But then why do you need them? Yeah. I think it, I don't know. I think it's it's an awesome observation that Strand said that. Yeah. And I think that if you went back and like like someone on Reddit captured the screenshot that in the uh in the in the facility where they were collecting the guest the, data, the hats were there. Yep. yep. Uh, that that's neat that those details were sprinkled throughout there, but at the same time the likelihood of recovering the hats all the time, unless for them it's just a numbers game. Like, okay, we're only going to get X amount of hats, and of those hats, only so many are going to have information that's useful. But over 30 years, maybe you can draw you know, enough conclusions and, and get enough data to... Yeah. I yeah. I mean, it It just... Uh, I was already in. <laughs> yeah. You didn't need to... You didn't give me a... You didn't need to give me another thing that could throw me from the the carton you know like it it didn't need to like that was just information that i wasn't seeking and the fact that they felt the need to give it to us in that way just felt kind of ham-fisted and a little yeah sometimes the the logistics of some of these mechanics in sci-fi movies and tv as soon as you start asking questions like that, like, well, how are they getting it? Then you're kind of ruining it for yourself. It's it's begging you to lose your suspension of disbelief. Right. In a show that requires a lot of that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of that way with a lot of genre fiction in general. Yeah. Like, somebody in our Discord was just praising A Quiet Place. Yeah. And I remember when I saw, after I saw it, I was like, wow, that was a really good movie. And then I spent the rest of the day thinking about it, and suddenly I didn't like it as much anymore. And the more and more I kept thinking about it, the more and more I was like, wait... This movie doesn't make any sense. And then I was like, why well, I'm ruining it for myself. I think instead of just enjoying the movie and like accepting it for what it is, the more you start to dissect stuff like that, sometimes you can just end up unraveling it for yourself yeah. and ruining the experience. Yeah. So if they had just said, hey, we've been collecting guest data, I would have been like, whoa, that's crazy. Instead of saying, wait a and minute. And that's totally what I said yeah. earlier in the season. There was no part of me that was like, how are they doing that? I was like, oh, they talked about or we talked about how Hector might have been recording the conversation between Cullen and Hale in season one. Yeah. And so 
all the pieces I felt were there for me. I didn't need that answer. And it just trying to ground your hard science fiction in hats. hats. (laughs) It's just, it's begging me to, to, Pull at threads that I don't need to pull at. I hope I hope they blame a lot more stuff in the show on the hats. <laughs> <laughs> we keep seeing Ed Harris do that little, yeah, the hat tip. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's picking up hats at the at the lids store in Oakland Mall, and he's like, "Is there is that you, Ford?" <laughs> oh my god! Fuck you, Robert. <laughs> lids is my favorite store in that mall. Every walk by it, I'm just like, man, look at that. I don't even know if it's there anymore. That's probably. I don't even know if the mall's there anymore. To be honest, like, <laughs> who knows? You haven't been inside, so we who should. Knows? We should make it a point for our social media to go and take a take a picture, take a picture of, of lids, lids. And Photoshop at Harris. Yeah, put it <laughs> Just a whole row of Stetsons <laughs> and Ford standing behind the counter. <sighs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Um, so, basically, what I wanted to do, I wanted to talk about our general thoughts on the season. It's been about two weeks now since the season finale we can kind of just dissect how we felt about it how we've been thinking about it what our our lingering thoughts on the season are kind of the things that did work for us the things that didn't work for us and then we can kind of get into a little bit of where we think season three might go where we hope it goes where we don't want it to go that kind of thing so um as far as general thoughts the season, I, I personally don't think I got a season of Westworld that I wanted, but I'm okay with that. I think the fact that season two took steps in newer directions and didn't go the way that I expected it to slash wanted to is ultimately makes me respect the show more on the whole rather than... Um, really appreciate what season two did for the show i have problems with it which i will get into but um i can't help but feel a little disappointed after the end of this season because it just felt like it was missing some of the stuff that i really appreciated out of season one but i can get more into that in a minute i don't john have you had time to ruminate on your thoughts for this season um well the I was trying to do a full rewatch of the whole series and I got about seven episodes in on season one. Yeah. And I think like I, I really liked the season. If anything, it has compelled me to go back and rewatch and the rewatching has proven to be pretty interesting. Some of the little things that I've been able to pick out, um, which again, my retention is going to be terrible. So I won't (laughs) be able to tell you all of them, but maybe one or two of the things that I've picked out. Um, But I think overall, I I like the darker tone of this season. Yeah. Um I I really I know I I I gave it the show I gave the show a lot of shit about Dolores early on and just not caring about her story arc. And you mean I, in season 2. Yeah, in season 2. And and I think um I think a lot of that is just me I, she played such a prominent role in, in the narrative one. of season one that like I wanted more of that and I felt like a lot of what she did this season 2 was just filler. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a a letdown. But I feel as though the other characters did such a great job, like the uh, you know the writers did such a great job developing the other characters in different ways that I'm not that disappointed with her anymore. The more I think about it, because everything else filled out so well that 
the feelings I had about her just are, don't mean as much anymore. I get so. that. Yeah. Nick, what about you? What did you think about season two? Uh, I'm pretty in line with, with your perspective, I think. Uh, between this show and and Preacher, yeah, I mean, which we talk about, like Alex said, on, in uh, Gone to Texas, I'm I'm really starting to learn at this point in my like life when thinking about movies and, and TV and stuff critically to only look at the text, only look at what's there and yeah. try to remove your expectation or your prior dispositions you had, anything you wanted to uh, see from it, which is tricky because you're obviously going to react to something based on who you are and what you think, and you are going to bring some measure of your personality into it no matter what. So <coughs> trying to keep that more in mind with this season, I think that if I, w- if I wasn't doing that, I probably would not have liked the season very much because yeah. I really, really love season one. And I think what season one is doing and the way in which it's structured and the way in which it is all executed and told to us is it's perfect for me. And I, I really love it. And I think it's unique. And season two suffers from feeling a lot like lost a lot of the time, which is something we've talked about a lot. And I think it feels that way in some of the characters that we encounter in some of in the nature in which they're brought into and then dismissed from the show feels like lost sometimes the way plot points mysteriously just bubble up and are often shrouded in some sort of whodunit or why did it happen kind of mystery yeah i think that people like to call that the puzzle box kind of thing yep something like that anyway a shade of that and in in the way that some of the answers which we've been wanting to learn are revealed and then answers we didn't want nor need are also just thrown at us feels a little bit like Lost in some of its weaker seasons. But it does have a lot of the strengths that Lost does too. But as far as another season of Westworld, I think you kind of hit the nail on, on the head. It's, it's not what I wanted from it, but it still is good. It still has a lot of merit. It still has a lot of value. It did push the show into directions that I kind of thought it would go, but faster than I thought it would go. Yeah. And I was reading other people's thoughts on Reddit, which is often a mistake, but (laughs) it wasn't wasn't for this episode, actually, because somebody kind of described how I was feeling, and I just couldn't articulate it yet, that basically they really missed the drama of season one. There was action in season one, but season one was very dramatic, and there was a lot of inter-character drama, and there was a lot of you as a viewer would essentially be a guest, right? So you're, you are seeing Westworld functioning as it was intended for the most part. And you're able to bounce really cool philosophical ideas off of Westworld because of that structure of it. Watching this park function the way that it was designed to made you think about a lot of things. And in season two, it's chaos. And so you're not necessarily able to as thoroughly explore those ideas, I think you have to make quicker judgments about how you feel about certain things because you're just placed in these like life or death trigger pull situations and you have to immediately make a judgment like, oh, I would side with that person or I would side with this one. Instead of letting it breathe and letting you really look at how certain characters are at reacting to things and, and being able to kind of collect the evidence and and put yourself in that position and think how you would react. And season two is much more like a hostage situation the entire time <laughs> and you just have to make decisions and then like live with it essentially and so it's while it is its own kind of intense because you're you're moving through all this all this action and these people getting killed and these people getting into these gunfights and stuff and all of the 
big set pieces, which we did have, a lot of them come off as kind of goofy because I feel like the show can do better and the show can make me question things and make me feel like the stakes are incredible without as much bombastic action going on, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, and I, I think this is... I don't I don't know if you guys had any preference to start with what we didn't like or what we did like, but I feel like it might be good to segue into what we didn't like and then we can hopefully end on a more positive note. Sure, yeah, whatever. Um, I think a lot of what you were saying, Nick, at least what I recognized about the season is that it largely felt as though character work was sacrificed for larger plot. I would agree for the most part, except the character work was often shoved into like three characters. Yes, like there were a few. There was a small handful of characters yes. that that got most of the attention, and then the other ones that also needed arcs or had arcs often felt weird or incomplete or rushed because they didn't get any attention earlier. And well, but like kind of my main thinking of it is someone like Dolores and Bernard. Bernard kind of and those are the two characters who we walk away with at the end of the season (laughs) and i feel like dolores gets this weird like she's one note through most of the season and i hate the fact that we were still questioning whether or not she was truly conscious i don't think there should have been any question there i don't think that was a mystery they wanted to have i don't think that was something that they wanted us to wonder about but we were left doing so because everyone was like, well, she's on her Wyatt programming or she's just full rampage mode. Like there should have been more shades of gray to Dolores and yeah, more but, like decision making that we can see her making. But that's the thing is she's not fully Dolores again. Like I'm going to I'm going to fall back on that Wyatt uh, code thing that you just said, because I think that is is the key is she's running code. I don't and, think so, though. But like, I do because I again, and I'll I'll sp- go back to my speculation for the last or the end of uh, episode ten. There was that I think in Charloris is the Wyatt Code, and her whole purpose was to get out of the park so she could create a clean copy of of Dolores in order to conquer the world or whatever. But I think the whole idea was that the Wyatt Code's programming was to get Dolores out of the park. Like that was the sole purpose of that program was to set everything in motion to get her out of the park and start everything else that needs to happen. And maybe that's wrong. I don't no, know. Like but I don't I don't see that as like an implausible reasoning behind that type of thing. But the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, there's nothing in the show that is giving us that text to chew on like that's a good headcanon i've thought this through this is what i think would make sense but that's that's the thing is that's what i think this this show kind of wants its viewers to have is the you know the ability to think these things through and when you're like you guys are saying like you're you're presented with a lot of this action and not so much character and i feel like that's part of the issue with like you you're not you don't really think these things through because you're looking at all the surface everything on the surface so you're seeing all this action and stuff play out and you're not thinking about what's happening underneath it and that's why a lot of people i think had issues with this season is that they they didn't a lot of what happened in season one was very mysterious and people had to dig for it and i feel like a lot of what happened in season two there was a lot on the surface to the point where people didn't feel the need to look for it. But then when they had to go look for it they were disappointed that they actually had to look for it. it was it was i don't does that make sense 
Am I making sense? I, don't I think you're making sense, but I don't know that that necessarily connects with what I'm saying. Like, I don't think... Uh, the, the idea that Dolores gets through the season and is not conscious to me is not particularly compelling. Like, I it... We're supposed to see her get to the end of the season or whatever. I guess it would be maybe halfway through the timeline. and I'm not sure, but I, I, I don't know at this point. No, it's when she's Charloris and she's like, I've changed my mind. I want to preserve the digital Eden. Why did she do that? Like, that was a choice that she made because hosts are able to change. But yet we see her through this entire season like living I'm, through her quote unquote loop of like I need to kill everyone to but get I'm to. But I'm sure. I'm I'm not sure because I don't. What what the hell do I know? I don't write <laughs> the show. But I feel as though that is something that will be presented in season three, as like that'll be one of the first things Bernard and Dolores have a conversation about is why did you choose to keep them around? Like I th- I thought you were gonna get rid of them and you chose to keep them. Like that seems like the sort of thing that they will explain down the line. But right now on the surface, what they were trying to show is that hosts have the ability to change their minds and like have choice. And she did that without having to explain herself. But now she's going to have to answer for that later. Maybe that's the case. But I I, I got the impression that the digital Eden is gone and we will never hear or think about it ever again. Was my you may not ever see it, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a topic of conversation between characters further down the line. That's true. That's true. And I, I guess Nick, did you have any thoughts on on? So you said they stuffed a lot of the character work into a few characters. Those characters being, I think, Maeve, uh, kind of the man in black. Yep. Um, but I, I hesitate to say Bernard also because he kind of does, but he kind of doesn't. He gets a, he gets time, he gets tons of time and attention, but he yeah. doesn't really develop too much until the end, near the end of the season. And I was actually really satisfied with that. Bernard is a character that we spent m- the majority of season one with, felt like so. I that was okay. But you you know you you rope in, and I w- I was pretty okay with most of Maeve too. It just was strange because she kind of ends the season in a in a well she's dead but she <laughs> kind of ends it in a place that i feel like people who are watching the show and wrestling with whether or not these hosts are conscious or capable of being conscious and can they really change uh are also struggling with actually i know some someone i spoke with in person was struggling with maves uh inability to recognize her daughter as artificial essentially the fact that she could not say this is manufactured and I don't actually love this person. This relationship isn't real. And the, the <coughs> excuse me, person I was talking to was of the opinion that she should be able to immediately disregard all of that. Say, I don't need to go save her because she's not real. She's not actually my daughter. Why would I put myself on the line, especially with all this newfound power and potential that I have to go try to save this other host that, you know, isn't actually related to me in any way. Yeah. And I am of the opposing viewpoint where I think what makes the hosts human-like is their irrational decisions like that. Like that, that's, that's something Maybe that, even greater than human. Yes, because a human, a human mother would do that. Yeah. Like that's, that's the power well, of, of... And I, I heard uh, something that they brought up earlier in the season on Decoding Westworld. I think someone wrote into them about the fact that like 
Maeve's situation reminded them of the idea of an adoptive mother being less worth than a biological mother kind oh, of that's, thing. That's uh, perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the idea that, that because you're, you're an adopted child, that parent isn't as meaningful as a biological parent is bullshit, yeah. in my opinion. And so I think... It's it's Maeve's ability to see that, like, yes, this was manufactured, but it's a thing that I feel and it is what I care about, I think. And it, and what is the point of existing if you are going to base that existence around pure logic and say, like, is yes. this a bad idea? And, and not actually care about anything you care about, not pursue anything that is going to make life worth living. I mean, the fact that this whole things seem to bypass a lot of people bothered me because yeah. i thought if you're not relating to mave on that level then what are you even getting out of the show <laughs> are you a sociopath <laughs> well no, no not even that but like why are you no. watching the show like yeah. if you think every character is making if any decision based on emotion by human or host is the wrong decision then what, what fun are you having watching because the show will be no fun without trying to it, trying to get out of it like why why is any of this worth fighting for you know what I mean? Yeah. Why do these robots care? Right. Well, and I think why, why, why should I care about them? Why do these robots not realize they're robots and therefore are yeah. inferior to us? But well, well, I think that sometimes viewers approaching it with that angle, while that might be sort of their fault or or just who they are, I think that it, the fact that that exists it might be a slight defect in the show too. Yeah. Maybe. But I, it might. Be, I think part of it is the responsibility of the viewer to actually. Ask those questions. Do what John is describing essentially, and instead of just accepting it, the the action just like watching it and going, "Okay, cool, next scene." Like actually <laughs> think about what's going yeah. on, <laughs> like yeah. think about what's being presented to you. I mean, that's maybe that's the meta of the show is like you're literally like you're you're just a programmed human going through a loop watching a TV show, and you don't actually think about it and make the decision to like dig deeper. Yeah, and and <laughs> I think the most brilliant thing this season did, which. The highs in this season were really high, and the yes. lows are very low. And one of the most amazing things that the series has done and was in the end of this season was when Bernard basically describes humans as they're just living out, living the best they can according to their code, essentially. Yeah. And the, the notion that hosts can actually make a decision to change and actually change yeah. and become better, and humans will always default to whatever their they're, biological programming. Yes. Such an amazing notion, and if you can watch the show and accept that as n- not you know fact, but carry it into your life with you and watch how people react and how people perform certain things and how, and why people do what they do, if you can carry that in the back of your mind and try to use it to improve your own self, I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I was gonna touch on the Mave thing again real quick. That um, I feel as though Mave making that conscious quote-unquote decision to go after her daughter mirrors like this the world that they're in in westworld at that time is clearly one where like people are more interested in themselves Mm -hmm. and just very selfish self-interest like point of view and i think that's what differentiates the hosts from the humans is she's showing that she cares more about something else something than, external to her than right just her own and that's what that's the big difference there and that may be like what i mean again some of these people watching the show just don't quite get because they're too sucked into their own world they're whereas not, like sizemore is like trying to 
share the best bits of himself through his writing in literally every facet yeah. of the park that he has control over. I right. Guess. He's, I mean, yeah. he's like the epitome of ego. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to sound like people watching this show are not smart enough to watch this show, much like our conversation about radio no, had last <laughs> time. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it's not, I don't think, uh, I, it's hard for me to, I am not. I, would never, I am not a smart person. I want to throw that out there. I'm not a dumb person either. But like, none the, of us sitting at this table would be like, if you don't like this show, you must be stupid. No, because that's no, not right. true. No, not at all. I am stupid, and I like this show. <laughs> um, but, but what I'm trying to say about it is, it's again like I I feel like the show is playing us as viewers to to break us out of the loop of just just fucking watching tv and being okay with everything we see yeah like i feel like there's more to it than that and i mean i feel that way about a lot of shows i mean look at stupid like okay not stupid but the office for instance i've been rewatching the office this is like the fifth time i've watched the office the whole series front to back and i still go online and i look up videos of like little shit people put in the background of the office oh, of yeah. like just the little clues and things the whole theory of toby being the, str- the str- strangler. strangler like that <laughs> those little things like i dig deeper because i find that interesting and that's not saying that people who don't dig deeper aren't going to find interesting things appealing about westworld but it's just if you're not inspired by it, then what are you like? Yeah. Like, what is it doing for you if you're not compelled to like think about it or discuss it or look up more information? Like, why are you even? Is it just background noise? Then why are you even listening to our podcast? Well, that, and that's the thing. I think there's literally no. You're speaking to literally no one who listens to this because I know downloading like, an hour long. Like, clearly, you have you are compelled yeah. to like discuss it or at least listen to people who you want to discuss it whether they're as dumb as me or not like i it's just uh yeah i just i find it really interesting like the the way people think about television now i yeah. suppose it's it's beyond just westworld it's tv in general yeah we're all just robots in our own right <laughs> it but, is it is interesting to try to strike the the right balance and find the right diet like you can't only watch TV that's really deep and heady and stuff that's going to like cut to your emotional core and then you need to like balance it with something that is is lighter. Yeah, it's like an episode of Westworld and then an episode of Two and a Half Men, you know? You got to take one with the other. Listen, you don't Why would you ever... (laughs) Two and a Half Men? No one has to eat fast (laughs) food. You could have picked something better than that. I was joking. I don't think you are. No offense to anybody that likes Two and a Half Men. Oh, full offense here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, think about your life. God. No, it, this is something that we have a friend of our of our old show that hosts a podcast called Films of Every Color, which mm-hmm. was whole was entirely based around the notion that uh, I forgot exactly what he said at the top of every episode. It was like a, a good a proper cinematic diet is broad and varied, I think yes. is what he always said. And I when I was listening to that show, I, I loved it because I was like, I've ne- I've literally, I mean, I I will watch almost anything and, and give it a shot. But I've never thought about it that way, and I, like it's true though. Like your your mind is is sort of a, a its own muscle, sort of its own. It needs it needs to relax and it needs to work, and it can't just you can't just let it atrophy. But you can't just always be working at all the time. Out. Yeah, exactly. You need to kind of have a little bit of everything to keep all of your mind stimulated and, yeah. and make you recognize like there are good movies of all genres, and there are there's good television of, of pretty much every you know every there's great great sitcoms and there's great single camera comedies and there's great dramas and there's great 
you know, Western horror, sci-fi, whatever. There's all, there's always good stuff out there. And I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. We're just talking about (laughs) basically like how it, it would be okay. Like I wouldn't tell somebody that they're watching Westworld wrong. If they're just watching it and saying like, yeah, that's neat. They're robots. (laughs) (laughs) But there is so much more to be gotten out of it. And I just, it's weird when I've had conversations with people that are like, yeah, it's a neat show, but they don't want to, they don't want to talk about it anymore. And they don't want to think about what it means to humankind like today in like 2018. Yeah. Why is the show coming out now? And why, why should you be watching it? And what is it saying about our, our current time? It's like, I just started watching the handmaid's tale. I'm like, this is a show that without question came out at the time it did for a reason. Yep. When you're watching it, you're just like, this is unmistakable. And I think it's important to, to often to look at, media and and stories and see why they're being told when they are yeah yeah um so the other thing that i wanted to bring up on what didn't work with me this season i really only had two major bullet points uh i think not enough shogun world (laughs) yeah there's not it should have been all shogun world no um (laughs) that'd have been a bold move if this entire season (laughs) was in another park wow that'd be i might have i might have actually thought it was kind of (laughs) awesome I don't think the, I don't, in any Jonathan Nolan written or Christopher Nolan directed project that involves some type of non-linear storytelling, it serves a purpose. Yep. And whether that purpose is to put you in the shoes of someone in the movie, a la Memento, or it is to reveal magic to you a la The Prestige, or maybe even Westworld Season 1, some might say. I do not currently see what the point of this nonlinear storytelling was in Season 2 of Westworld. Season 1, it was a reveal. It was not a... It was not the... It wasn't uh, Dunkirk where the title comes up and it says one day, one week, one, you know, it was not that one hour. They didn't show us that. It was literally, we're going to play these scenes in front of your face and then we're going to tell you later that some of them were not at the same time as the others. Yep. And that was an interesting magic trick. And I think it was an interesting, it gave you more depth to who William was as a character and it gave you information about what the park was like 30, 30 years earlier than what you were seeing it later on. In the end, it meant something. But at the end of this season, I feel as though it was strictly just an obfusc- obfuscation of what was going on and a way to, to make you work harder. Yes. They were trying to bootstrap consciousness into the people watching the show. But I also <laughs> think... Um well, I mean, it's, I agree with you. I, and I think the sh- this whole season could have done itself a favor if it just played out chronologically. I think that would yeah. have held everyone's interest a little bit better. And I would have less of my friends telling me that it's bad storytelling, I think. Um, and I think that's why specifically um, I want to say maybe it was the episode four, the the Delos episode yeah. and the Akichida episodes were the most chronological. Yeah. And I think that's why those worked really well, especially because it was chronological over, over like a span of like 30 years yeah. for both of them. And I think that's the, the, that lent itself to making those episodes be the best episodes of the season, hands down, um, in my opinion, obviously. But I, I do. And that's why I've been saying it since day one. I wish somebody would just super cut 
both seasons and together. give it give me the whole two seasons worth of Westworld in full chronological order so that I can like start at the beginning and watch it evolve over yeah. time. You're not seeing an evolution. We're we're like it's it's like uh it just makes me think of like Tyler Durden splicing in porn clips into like, you know, other movies like you're just cutting things and putting them here to like startle people or to like make them think differently and it's not really working. So it would have been better to just see the whole story play out like in its normal time like timeline. Yeah. Nick what are your thoughts as as the the Nolan fan that I know you are and I mostly feel like I am right there with you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh how did you feel about the nonlinear storytelling this season? I am unfortunately going to disagree with both of you. That's okay. But to a, only to a certain degree. Uh I remember reading that Christopher Nolan said, you know, obviously there is a there is a way to watch Memento chronologically. Yeah. It's in the special features. You got to fight through menus to yes, get to it, do. but you can do it. And he was like, "Yes, you can do it, and it is very boring. Yeah, it's not a good movie. It's not a. It's not. It's not a bad movie. It's not fun to watch because the story was written with that structure in mind. That is the way the story is meant to be told. I think if you watched a supercut of uh, Westworld totally chronologically from start to finish, oh, the all, whole all of segment season one and two of Dolores would be boring as shit. I think almost all of it would be really boring. Like yeah. it would be. Some of it might work really well, but I think on the whole, you'd be like, like you could see why they do what they do in both seasons. However, I will. I, I do agree with you that season. I think season two's is not done as well as season one's. Yeah, and that that is mostly my. I'm not saying this whole story should be told straightforward. I think season one was great. I just think in season two, it wasn't done. I can't see any like glaringly obvious signs of like we enhanced these storylines by not showing you. I think that the in the finale, everything re- regarding Arnold and or I'm sorry, Bernard okay. and what he's doing and his conversations with Ford, everything with Ford would not have worked as well had it been chronologically. But I know why they did it. They do it to hide that Dolores reveal, basically. Yeah. They don't want you to understand that there's someone else in Hale. They might want you to suspect that something is not right, which I think we all do. But we all do because of the way season one is. And this reflects my biggest problem with the series now and my biggest worry for season three is that the writing feels like it might be caught in this sort of like loop this like feedback loop of like oh let's see what they liked what did they love about season one what did the, what did everyone respond to okay let's put that in season two let's duplicate that in season two and you know they we it's just the way the culture is now for for movie and tv watching because everyone takes to reddit now i mean we're at the point now like i remember like five maybe more years ago when reddit was like a thing that like we did and like people people went to heavily but it wasn't like this thing like i would i would use i would describe reddit i'd use reddit as a verb and people would be like what's that yeah and now like nbc is like saying user so-and-so on reddit it's now like like a social network it is yeah yeah, it's like google too like people use it like crazy and now everyone goes to reddit to talk about this kind of stuff now and i feel like the the writers and creators and staff of the show can't help but look at what people are talking about and when i watch season one of westworld i feel like here's something that these people wrote they took their time on. They could have had this idea. They might have been collaborating for years and saying, like, here's what we want to talk about. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to say. And season one feels like this really unique voice. And now season two, I'm, I have no confirmation and no way of knowing for sure, but it feels a lot like 
they weren't in a vacuum chamber when they made it. Right, yeah. exactly. And what people liked and didn't like about season one is is reflected somewhat in season two. And I think that while that's not bad per se to continue to make things that people enjoy, when you start letting viewers dictate what worked and what didn't, and and that influences what you're making, then the product is obvious is distilled in yeah, some way, it's and it's not down. what you originally it's becoming were. less of your vision and more of a yes. And I think season three is poised to be potentially the coolest season of this series, but it also could be the worst if they just continue like taking in what people do and don't like and and using that feedback to sculpt where the story's going. I mean, it might be good, but ultimately it's 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 just I don't care. I don't care what what everyone has to say about the series. I, I care about what the authors want to continue to do with it. Yeah. And I, I can't help, and I could be completely wrong, obviously, but I can't help but feel like a lot of stuff that happened in season two was a result of what was received well in season one. And the idea of having another reveal and, oh, so-and-so is not who you thought they were. They're, in fact, someone else feels like a carryover from season one in a way. And there are there's a lot about it that's really cool. There's a lot that makes me go, oh, well, that's neat. I didn't even think for a second, but I don't care the same way I did in season one because it's just like I've I've kind of already seen that trick from this team before. And although it is slightly different, it's not the same thing, obviously. It still just feels like, okay, is every season now going to build towards some reveal of someone is someone else? Like, I mean, William and the Man in Black being the same person, that's just a passage of time. That's human. This is somebody else. In Literally. S- this someone in someone else's body. And... It also, unfortunately, as cool as it was, introduces the mechanic of all bets are off. Anybody you see can be anybody else. With every single character. And that is a tried and true trope of a lot of sci-fi. We see that where like all these, you know, there's always a mechanic for somebody to not be who you think they are or to come back from the dead, essentially. And as soon as you introduce that, the dramatic stakes are immediately like a lot lower for me. Like I will go into season two just kind of being like, I mean, they probably have a, rep, a, a another version of all that machinery in Arnold's house that they can use to just continue working on. Like, there needs to be some sort of complete disruption of the ability to do that for me to start to be like, okay, things this matters again. But at the end of the day, as soon as you introduce a, a mechanic like that, who's to say you can't just later write in, oh, but there was another machine in you know Wyoming that no one knew about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you bring in these kind of things that can can undo death and that you can you can reprogram somebody like it worked so well for a while but eventually we reach this point now where it's almost like death doesn't matter yeah and identity doesn't matter at the same time i think that presents them with interesting challenges to try and make a compelling story in season three yeah that's true Uh, it may not be possible (laughs) well that's i mean that's what i hope they focus on then is like instead of focusing on like the likes and dislikes of what people on reddit have said i think actually looking into the discussions that have been created because of what they've presented would be a better focus for them in terms of creating content for season three yeah that that, and that's that would be awesome. I mean, if because if the, all the I mean, just even our discussions that we've had, like I feel like, especially specifically the one where we were the big one that you had at the very end of like episode eight, eight I think. Yeah. I feel like those sort of discussions are the things that they should be feeding off of more so, just because it's more interesting and it and it. Those are the things people are actually thinking about. And, I mean, they're the most interesting thing to read on Reddit too when well, you really get into it. And in a way, like as Nick said 
at the start of this podcast, they 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 pushed into the James Delos stuff a lot sooner and faster than I anticipated this supposed five six season show would do, and so I think I think they're open to doing that i think and this is leaking into the what i think worked this season i think the big ideas of this season worked really well Mm -hmm. really really well but we can come back to that was there anything else you guys didn't like here was there anything that sticks out in your mind as like a i wish it would have happened differently i I wish it didn't happen at all i really wish they would have just shown me william's fucking bionic arms (laughs) i just want to see just show me a a glint of metal under the flesh that's just something you know they should have even just given it to you in that in that end of the episode yeah like have him like tear his sleeves off and he's jacks you know like like i said last time (laughs) yeah like you or i think alex i think you said he like flexes and it like rips or something like (laughs) that rips right off yeah (laughs) it reminds me of this gag uh have you ever seen the leslie nielsen movie spy hard yeah you remember the beginning when he's holding a woman over the cliff and he's like hold on and then like his sleeve just rips and he's got this humongous like muscly arm it's like arnold schwarzenegger's arm yeah and it's it's leslie nielsen like looking over the cliff and he catches this woman and the the sleeve tears and it's just this like (laughs) it's clearly not really oh it's amazing yeah it's so funny that movie stinks but that joke is really good it's like right at the beginning that's what i keep thinking of so there's your there's your deep reference for the day deep cut uh I got. I think most of the Emily stuff didn't really work for me, actually. Mm. Like not the the uncertainty of it all, and again, the fact that it, I felt like I was wasting my time trying to figure out if she was a host or not. And I was like, this isn't. These aren't the kind of questions I want to be thinking about. These are. The, these aren't the kind of mysteries I want to be left with. Like, well, is she or isn't she? Is he? Isn't he? That that one's more compelling because his whole existence is wrapped up in the idea of not letting a system tell him who he is. As he said. That serves a function in stories and things like Blade Runner, where literally the first Blade Runner, you're like, I need to find five replicants. Where are they? Yeah. Are you a replicant or are you not? Are yes. you the one I'm looking for or are you not? Yeah, with but, the, with the larger backdrop of like what what does it mean to even be human, essentially? Like yes. What makes them different from us, really, aside from the four-year expiration date? Is that a parody Dr. Seuss book? <laughs> are you my mommy? Are you my replicant? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, but Doctor Seuss Blade Runner would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get be, to writing that, that right really away. Good. Uh, but but in terms of like Westworld, I I think the larger exploration of like what separates us, what separates these species or whatever you would like to call them, is interesting. But it doesn't like the idea of like the removal of stakes of nobody can die and. The idea that like Dolores theoretically has uh, total recall and therefore can code any of the humans whose books that she read while she was inside. Like all of that potential is in there. They did destroy the forge or get maybe I don't know. Did they? Who knows? But yeah, (laughs) I think the thing that we all have to become comfortable with is this show leaping into a new show every season. Yeah. Like it's not going to remain as incredible as a Westworld via like deadwood deadwood i almost said dead world <laughs> deadwood <laughs> style where like that's the fifth world actually <laughs> of the six. That would be well amazing. yeah so like the first season was very country western and season two is very like modern sci-fi ish i thought you were going musical genres for a second i was like <laughs> season one's country western what's season two uh, season two is progressive <laughs> <laughs> Se- season three is uh retro wave <laughs> now, now you're speaking my language uh 
I think that you know if, if the series had continued to remain in Westworld and the park hadn't evolved quite so quickly, if like the end of season one had happened at the end of season two, for example, and we'd had like two seasons of like long drama of of characters interacting in the within the park and like humans spending time in the park for like a season and leaving the park questioning like, well, what is what does it what does any of it mean now? That would have been a great show. And I think every Westworld, every fan of Westworld season one would have loved that show. And that's not what Westworld became though. And season two went into this, it just continued on this trajectory that none of us really saw coming because we didn't have enough data to really make a trajectory. And I think that was the problem for a lot of people was being able to receive the direction it was going in and, and enjoy it. And I think something that we all covered at the top of the show is, you know, this season may not have necessarily been what we wanted or what we expected, but we still liked it and liked a lot of it. And I think that the, the common trend I'm seeing online, which is the kind of thing that bothers me, is people just... I mean, I have saw people on... I was reading people's comments on Reddit today, like, calling season two, like, atrocious and <laughs> saying it's a disaster and, like, a dumpster fire, which is uh, such an annoying term. And that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, no, it wasn't. You just didn't want it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's bad. Like, you need to look at it and, and really, like, try to take it in in the grand scheme of things. You know, take season one and two together. Think about what it's saying about the world. Cause I think this show, like I said, was kind of, it's created for a reason in the time that it is. I think that that is a great, the, that's a great question. The idea that like how much obligation does a show need to have to follow up a previous season to be like that season was, you know, like does season one do the, the, the implications of season one and what it was, have to inform what season two is. And I feel like in terms of like sitcoms and other HBO shows and other stuff like that, I feel like that's typically what it is. It's like we've spoken several times about how Game of Thrones is always like episode nine is the pinnacle and episode 10 is where the falling action is. And they follow that through literally every season. But with something like Westworld, I have to credit the fact that they are ambitious enough to make a new television show every season. Yeah, well, so, so far. far. Yeah, I agree. And like, I, I to go back, actually, John brought up a great point with The Office. There are, I feel like every person who has watched The Office or is a fan of The Office feels one of two ways about the Jim Pam relationship. You either like that it changed that you either like the show beyond them actually becoming a couple or you think that's where the show stopped being good. Yeah. Because then the show started changing because at at the end of that, I think it's the end of season three when they like sort of couple up or like the beginning of season four, the show starts to change. Like all the characters relationships start to change and, and these characters all start to change and they start to evolve both within themselves, but also with how they interact with each other. And I, I'm kind of one of the people that thinks it gets worse. Like I think that one of the, things that made that show so good was the will they won't they kind of tension that continued through the first like two three years and then as soon as that tension is is like relieved and and you don't have that anymore you have to start thinking like okay now what challenges do they have oh now they have to worry about getting married they have to be parents they have to and these are like these aren't fun things to watch anymore these are real things (laughs) and so people stopped having fun with the show but more i don't want to say more people but other people started liking that aspect they said now these characters feel more like real people it both like makes the characters deeper, but also makes them more like real people. It's a weird, it's a weird dynamic, and well, a lot of people got a lot of value out of watching those characters grow. And if you watch like the finale of that series, all these characters are like almost what eight, nine years older than they were when they started, and 
that can be really refreshing and really exciting or that can also be horrible because you want them to remain in this bubble of like oh those characters were always this way and they were never going to change yeah and westworld is never going to be that like this show is driving forward no matter what and you're either along for the ride or you're not and that's that is the ambition as you described is is pretty commendable yeah absolutely i would take a, a an unsatisfying ambitious season of Westworld over like a safe season of literally any other TV show that I could think of like I think pushing for more and and achieving some of it and failing at other parts of it I think is better because overall you take those lessons you learn from it and you hopefully make something better the next time around well, I think we're at a point now in in culture where we we've gotten you we finally are okay with existing with media that will always be around because when movies you used to have to go see in the theater and if you didn't it was gone and you hope that they would show it again a few years later but like when a movie came out like you had to get to it yeah because home video wasn't a thing yet yeah and then home video came out and suddenly we had it more at our disposal and people of our generation got really used to the idea that we would always be able to go back anytime we wanted and put in that tape and there were those characters would be they wouldn't have changed they're the exact same it's always going to be the way we remember. And I think a lot of people roughly our age have carried that into our adulthood, our adulthood well, where we expect that from everything. We expect it to stay the way we remembered it. Well, and that's the downfall of the Star Wars series and Jurassic Park. took the Park. words right out of my mouth. That's where I was going. <laughs> and like, but now we are at the point where there, there are people younger than us that, have, that are still of age now. And they are more okay with this idea that characters, they're, they're more embracing of characters continuing to change, I think. Characters and, are welcome. Yeah, and <laughs> God, I gotta go. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was your most dad joke. You've had a long time. <laughs> Completely derailed my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I think that you know <laughs> we're we're getting comfortable again with characters aging. Some of us are, and some of us aren't. And like John said, Star Wars is the best example. Some people are really okay with where those old characters have wound up and they, they actually have grown myself included have, I didn't at first, I it was met with hostility by me, but the more I watched stuff, I uh, more, I watched episode seven and eight. I was like, you know what? This is what happens to people though. Yeah. They don't stay the same. Yep. Things happen to them. They change. And if you can accept that about characters, a, you can accept it about yourself. <laughs> like yeah. aging will not be a shock to anybody anymore, but B you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy those stories so much more because a story can i mean in the case of like a, a one and done movie like you'll see i, I just rewatched inception uh, or last week and i was like god this movie is it's incredible like i, I still love it so much and i and, and i think like man wouldn't it be cool if there was another one or like <laughs> you got to see more with those characters yeah and i thought no because this is it this is the story you're presented with with these particular characters this is the only time of their lives you get to see them and if it did become a franchise, you would have to accept that inevitably they would all die. Like somebody would kill them. <laughs> it might be the next week. They might be on a job and they might all die. Like then that's the tragedy of, of continuance, I guess, in stories. Yeah. And if you are going to have something that's episodic and that moves like this, you're going to have to accept that, you know, most stories don't necessarily always end well. There's always going to be something bad. Yeah, that's you, happen you have to have characters. real stakes. Like exactly. And so, you know, people who were not pleased with how this season went and a lot of the ways it did, like you, you, you have to really, I think identify was it was the fault of the show. Is the show really bad or is it just something that you didn't necessarily want? I'm not saying one is wrong or right, but I think what I'm glad that all three of us are, you know, we didn't love certain things about the season, but some of it is a reflection on where we wanted it to go and it didn't go in that direction. Uh, well, and I've heard a lot of discussion here about the fact that like, 
this is a show we, we are in the fortunate position of having a podcast about this show where we sit here and dissect these things and talk about it and we read what other people think and and we 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 do all of that footwork all the legwork everything that we need to do there to try and understand the thing that's put before us but you got to assume that not all however many million of HBO viewers that watch the show are not all going to download two different Westworld podcasts a week and troll around in the Reddit quick questions thread and that kind of stuff. And I just, I wonder if the people who thought of this season as atrocious are just the ones that want nothing to do with any of that. And I think if that's how you want to watch television, you're going to hate Westworld and that's not through any fault of your own like whatever. That's not what be, you're looking for out of TV. I'd be curious to know what TV they do like two and a half men. No, no. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it it I think it, it's a very interesting idea. The fact that like HBO's making a show where some people think it necessary to listen to two podcasts about it every week. Like that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And I think there's a place for that here. And if you don't like it, don't watch it. But at the same time, like, I don't know how you got through season. Are those the people who watched season one and didn't realize William was the man in black? <laughs> like, because I think those people exist. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I didn't mean to spin our season recap into a, a greater no, against people I think it's on great. Reddit. But I think, I think it's great. It's worth talking about at least. Um. So, I is there anything else that didn't work outright? Should we move on to things that did work? I think the only it's really hard for me without rewatching it to, but I I wouldn't want to like pinpoint a lot of little things that didn't work. Yeah, I, I do wish I got a clearer. The one line that haunted me throughout this entire season was when Bernard says, "I'm not really here with you, am I?" And we never got a clear answer of what he was referring to when that happened. I think we can kind of draw conclusions that he's. He's been there prior by himself, yeah. and that's what he's remembering. But at the same time, like she should have been gone from the shot or something. Like I felt like something really significant was going to come out of that, and when it didn't, I was like, "Well, don't I feel like?" An I idiot? mean, most of those scenes could have just been him rebuilding his memory, you know. Maybe and like it's him discussing with his own internal monologue, like, "I'm not really here with you, am I?" Like, and it's him just kind of like. Because he jumbles his memory, you know, so he's trying to remember exactly what happened. So most of the maybe, scenes we maybe, saw, yeah, maybe are that just him replaying it in his head of like how those things went down. And I think that's how it's supposed to be taken. Like yeah. he, him saying, "I'm not really here with you, am I?" Might be him standing in the mesa after Stubbs and uh, and yeah. Strand found him on the beach, like, and we're just watching him work his way through, right? What what is when. I wonder if that when is now. <laughs> I wonder if that presents itself better in like a in a, a more re-wash. binged yeah it fashion. could, and then just but. in general, a lot of the the little I shouldn't say little, a lot of the big moments felt kind of rushed. Yeah, felt like there was a lot of stuff that just in the last few episodes feels like it just starts, Elsie, ha- starts happening. Elsie dying and being the the thing that helps Bernard change his thoughts on Dolores's mission. I think is really interesting but i hate the fact that she just got murdered and left on the floor in 
Yeah, I felt like, like the conversation between her and Hale probably should have been a little bit longer than just like four sentences. Yeah, and, and like a like like they shouldn't have necessarily that's that walked into a room and she died. It could have played out. That's a that longer, drama but. you're looking for. Yeah, you know something like yeah. that, like them having this like heated argument and like it kind of exploding into Hale just shooting her and it being done and walking away and then it clips to bernard up like that would be the thing is like you don't know he's up there at all you see them argue and then like you know what i mean then it's revealed that he sees it and he's just like oh my god like i i need to do something about this so yeah so all right oh i do want to say real quick um did when when they reveal that humans are just in a loop of sorts and following their own code does did that make any of you guys like think about how much your life is just a fucking cycle oh yeah well i mean the because i started waking up every morning at the same time again and i'm just like oh my god like well nolan (laughs) nolan and joy were talking about the fact that like oh you know they'd wake up they'd take the kids to school they'd go sit down in the coffee shop with their lunches and write out some of the season they'd be like we are yeah. absolutely just I wake up I let the wiener dog outside he comes back inside and then we, I make him go back to bed for like five minutes then yep. I get up I shower go about my day and it's like rinse and repeat every yep. day go to tubbies and for I just, lunch I was like oh man like what is this sucks yeah I mean we're we're definitely creatures of habit I think in general some people more than others some but I think generally we need we need routine to keep us somewhat sane yeah and I think that as adults, <laughs> the routine is making me insane. <laughs> <laughs> I think as adults, it's part of the reason time starts moving faster for us too. As you just start, you the, know, the days, start the days to blur. blur together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, not as uh, not as sporad- Life isn't as sporadic as it was, which is probably why sometimes the weekends feel like a little bit longer than they are because you might, you know, you shake up your routine, you do things a little yeah, different. Exactly. That's the kind of stuff I miss this show being about is like these kind of questions and these kind of conversations. Well, and so what worked well for me were those big ideas. James Delos. Yeah. Everything with James Delos totally. is amazing. I like, with the exception of the hats, the idea of the park collecting the data, the cradle and the forge themselves being able to like run simulations of hosts and humans. Uh, and, and the big question of like people are always following their biological programming, but not like hosts don't have to. They are not beholden to their programming. They can deviate. Yeah. All of those things are great and they're strong and they could have been focused on more in some places. And I would have liked the season more for that. But I'm still thankful that they are the things that I continue to think about after the season is over. Yeah. Um, you know, being a a big sciencey kind of guy, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that I like to think about. But um, other stuff that worked well for me, I I thought all of literally all of the music. Oh yeah, everything sure. Ramin Javadi touched this season was was fantastic. I did. They do have the season two soundtrack up on like Spotify and everything now. They have oh, cool. the piano only version of Heart Shaped Box that played during Aki's episode. And then they also have like the song, one of the songs in that episode that comes after that, that pulls some of Heart Shaped Box into like the score. Ah. And it's incredible. Like it's just so good. And so I, you know, I have to thank the show for giving me more of his his work Mm -hmm. um for the most part 
all of the performances some of the people that popped in for a little bit like Cela Ward and um mm-hmm. uh and uh God, Peter Mullen as James Delos like everybody they they pick in the show maybe with the exception of Charlotte Hale but I don't know even that I think she did better this season than she did in season 1 in a lot of ways yeah um it like everybody here seems to be in it and they get it and they know what they're doing and on top of that the effects works that they use to make the things like Delos erroring out in front of your eyes and Abernathy like anything with that Abernathy like I don't know if it's his acting or if it's digital effects or both it's all awesome yeah all of that stuff was fantastic. I did hear they did a. Um, have either of you guys watched the anatomy of a scene that Vanity Fair does? They'll get like a director to come in and they'll play one of their scenes on like a tablet in front of them, and then they can like mark it up with like. Oh, that's cool. Uh, like a, it's almost like a football play kind of thing. Yeah, it's like sweet. There's a 30 minute one with Nolan and Joy where she talks about directing. Peter Mullen in the like in those scenes in uh, episode four and all the stuff that they reveal is fantastic but they brought up the fact that they specifically took some of the vowel sounds out of Ed Harris's performance and inserted it into Jimmy Simpson's voice his audio tracks to make them sound more similar in that episode oh wow interesting which is incredible like the amount of detail work that they go to helping recognize the fact that these two people who look extremely different right now like it makes sense to me that jimmy simpson grows up to look like ed harris now and if he doesn't i'm going to be very disappointed (laughs) so stay tuned in 30 years 35 (laughs) years but anyway and like i just I don't know. There's a lot that works about this season, and that's why I didn't necessarily want to get totally bogged down into what didn't work. I don't know if you guys had any, any other specific things that you really love. Samurai World. Shogun World. Shogun World. Sushi World. Sushi World. It's. I hope we get to spend a little more time there. Um, having Stubbs be still in the park makes me think we will. Because I, I feel like they can't get rid of him. And, like... Stub. Stub is host. Stub. stub is host. We are stub. I do want to make that shirt. I'm gonna i I'm gonna like we are stub. <laughs> I, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make that happen <laughs> somehow. I have ideas. Um I just I like again the those singular episodes where it was the main main focal point was like one or two uh, characters yeah. or would that just I loved that. You know, the Akichida episode was incredible. Um the the James Delos uh, episode was really really good too, and I think that's what made the Shogun World episodes work out too. Is like they were very like singular focused on like that group of characters and what their mission was in trying to get through Shogun World alive. Yeah, um, I think those those were definitely the strongest episodes. I think um, Aki's episode Kiksuya is kind of the perfect embodiment of like what I want Westworld to be. The idea of like there are so many breadcrumbs that they left for themselves everywhere that they can start linking them together with things that have even greater meaning in a later season. Mm -hmm. I think that's just kind of incredible. And so I I'm excited to see if there's more stuff like that or if they continue to try and do that kind of thing. But 
I just I like the the fact that this season made made me want to go back and watch season one. In all and that's that's what I will say is that I do feel as though season two enhances season one in oh, a lot of ways. Wholeheartedly, especially the scenes where you're seeing Maeve almost get scalped by the Indians yeah. by Ghost Nation, and you're like, uh, they're trying to wake her ass up like yeah. big time, you know, like. I mean, you see, you think they're trying to kill her. They're not. Like, they want they're a trying, scalper to yeah. put the maze underneath her head. Things like whatever, that. There's know. a whole, there's a scene where like uh, Akicha does homeboys like got her hair pulled back and he's holding a knife to her scalp and yeah. it's like seeing scenes like that play out or like in season one in the in the first like five minutes of season one when Dolores is talking to Teddy about uh, how look at look at all these these steer here and that's the Judas steer and that one there it doesn't matter where he goes but the rest of them are gonna follow like. Things like that, like being able to pick up those little hints of things happening is just uh, it's fantastic to see that play out. Um, and again, I mean, the conversation we we had before we started recording about, uh, you know, how how William William is is has essentially been labeled this virus that's destroyed the Delos family. But essentially, he's a virus they created and nobody seemed to really think about that in a lot of the discussions online, like. Then, I I guess I don't know I want I don't want to say created but like incubated or yeah like right well again like Nick you brought up the fact that he says like I've always had this stain yeah. in me like it's always been there and it, and it very well may or very ugh, very well may have been <laughs> wow oh man I'm so hungover <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is like if it weren't for the Delos family like poking and prodding at him and testing him and his limits and trying to like figure out what kind of meat he's made of he wouldn't be this virus that destroyed them and it's probably their poking and prodding that made him want to destroy them to begin with so things things like that just the 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 way the way season two made me question the things i've seen previously is is just something like i think is really well done and i hope season three does the same yeah there's beautiful writing throughout as as we were talking about Maeve getting scalped in season one the the line that Ake has of I wanted to help you I wanted to warn you but in this world it's easy to under, misunderstand intentions mm-hmm. that's some fantastic stuff and the fact that it like comes from all directions like literally everybody has several lines that are just fantastic so Nick any any other stuff that sticks out that you were glad was here or that worked for you really well I really liked everything with Logan in this season. Yeah. It worked really well for me. And, I, and that was an answer that I didn't know I wanted, but I, I did. Like how I didn't think we'd see any more of him. Yeah. And the fact that he played such a big role in the season was really awesome. Both like in William's story and James Delos's story and Akechita's story uh, with being sort of the representation of the Forge. But that was pretty cool. I think Ben Barnes is... Uh, pretty awesome in yeah. this series i think he's probably done now i don't think we're gonna get any more of him and i'd be f- really satisfied with that but if he comes back as some new host i think you know he's such an engaging actor in the role uh that it would be fun to watch him do something else in this same series yeah um the catch it episode was really phenomenal it was not something i expected to that that blindsided me that was one that was the new big mystery, the new big kind of surprise for me, but it worked so well. And I think having an episode that was focused on him, first of all, but also like an episode enti- almost entirely about one character and what they've been up to was uh, just incredible and made me want to continue to 
like you know we've said a few times like oh gotta go back and watch it all now <laughs> but, uh, yep they had another whole week's worth of uh, just straight Westworld rewatch to do. Uh, the Return of Ford, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like the the way it was executed was so cool. Uh, I'm sad that the cradle is gone because I think that the potential for what was going on in the cradle is just the coolest. I think that was one of the coolest mechanics they introduced, and the fact that they did away with it so quickly is. Uh, their prerogative, I guess. It's kind of a shame because it'd be fun to see what else could be done with it, but I understand why it couldn't continue to exist necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but that idea of, you know, a, a separate reality within this sort of already separate reality where you can do a lot more and where time can move differently for you is such an incredible resource. And uh, that that's the kind of thing that I think Nolan's also do really well with. So... You know, speaking of in my Inception rewatch, yeah. kind of uh, jarred that in my memory. Well, and I think they're kind of on the brink of maybe heading towards that question or discussion of like, is reality really reality? You know, there's been a lot of scientific exploration and, and philosophical pontification about the idea that we are not living in reality. We are just another simulation in some computer somewhere in the world above us to see Westworld start going that way and tackling those questions as well. Like where can I put in cheat codes? I don't know. Don't know yet. Only users can. But what if like season five was about like Dolores realizing that the world, the real world she's in is not the real world. And she has, she's also, she is, she is the vector that Ford created four simulations down to go and take over the real world for, well, now you've just ruined the show. <laughs> like that kind of like it, that that would be an interesting. Doesn't this just make you go. want another Tron movie? Tron, you know, at this point, I think I'm ready to revisit the Matrix. Honestly, <laughs> like I would be okay to see somebody doing more with the Matrix. Interesting, because that that was kind of the birth of that in my brain. I never liked the aesthetic of the Matrix very much. So that the green, not even the green, just the. Oh, the le- the the leathery like. Yeah, <laughs> it was very late nineties. Yeah. yeah, and just the representation of the real world in that, I get it, but I'm like, I don't want to watch any more of that. Like, the first Matrix is an incredible film, but the second and third, they've got their their value somewhere. But overall, like, the the more you got into the real world, the less I wanted to watch it, because I was like, this is this isn't this isn't cool. This isn't fun to watch. It's not thought provoking. It's just sad. And it makes me be like, you know what? Just extinguish us. So we don't have to worry about it anymore. (laughs) It's just, just a drag. Go back to your loops so you can, I think stop thinking about it. The, the comparison though of this to Tron is, is pretty valid. I think, I mean that, I think that explored that idea pretty ahead of a lot of other, if not like most other movies, like 82, the original camera. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's pretty pretty far ahead of its time. Oh yeah, the fact that there's still themes from that kind of being borrowed or not borrowed but explored in, in other works. Yeah, is pretty awesome. I, I would love to get a Tron movie that was much more drama, but that'll definitely never happen. <laughs> which is fine because they're great for what they are. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, there were there like y- you described this perfectly. All the big ideas worked really well. It's just the actual implementation of a lot of them was a little clunky. Yeah. I think that the, I did like the glimpse we got into the Raj. Like as much as I didn't really love the Emily storyline, seeing the other parks was really cool. Yes, and I want to continue to see more of them, and I don't want to leave the park behind in season three. 
Well, I let's talk I, about season three a little bit there. Yeah, there's I, don't, been, I don't think they're going to leave the park behind. There's been some, some postulation going on, a lot of it by Joanna Robinson, her trying to connect some dots between things that HBO executives have said and some of the creative decisions made here in terms of things like Lee Sizemore needlessly dying. The idea that they could leave the park behind pretty easily after this episode, that kind of thing, meaning well, you, that like... You can't, though. They can. They can't. But they could. Because we need to know what happens to Maeve. Well... Felix and Sylvester. What we if need, I Maeve, need Felix, and Sylvester get off of a train into New Shanghai, wherever the hell they are? I also need to know what happens to Stubbs. Maybe there are more Singular stubs. and plural. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like... Season two, I guess we can also wrap in the fact that like season two ratings dipped like they 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 have been kind of falling week to week. They didn't get anywhere near season one. I I shouldn't say anywhere near, but they were lower than season one ratings consistently. Um, Yeah. and, and, And HBO seems to be looking to downsize the budgets on a lot of their shows since Game of Thrones and Westworld have been pretty larger than life that's probably why they've moved to doing such limited series yeah well i think so but what was the the new ones what sharp objects sharp objects starts tonight uh big little lies was last year and even that season two is supposedly one of the ones that's pretty expensive as well because they're doing a second season of it for some reason but anyway of big little lies yes (laughs) not that i mean i like the show and i i loved it i don't know that there needs to be a season two i'm i'm in for it I, sure. I'll I'll certainly watch it, and hopefully I am surprised, and I'm like, this is interesting, but Sharp we'll see. O- Sharp Objects looks good also. It does. Um, so, yeah, season three. I mean, what what do you guys think? Is it... John, John doesn't want the park to go away, obviously. No, I don't, and the more I think about it, um, because Dolores is the oldest host in the park at this point. What's stopping her from using her brain to recreate other hosts beyond the five pearls she took with her? It's possible. It certainly is possible. They've left a lot. That's one of the things I thought about. Like, how are they going to make all these other hosts? Like, is she going to make a host army of sorts or like, what's the plan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same thing with Bernard. Like, what's he going to do? I mean, Bernard could probably just like, well, Dolores knows, she knows where she put, the the forge and the yeah she knows where all that stuff is but bernard doesn't like what's he gonna do i'm pretty interested to see how the charles xavier slash magneto dynamic plays out between them if it's if it really is that antagonistic or if it if they if they try to make it more of a diplomatic like we need to counterbalance each other well i want to know why william was being tested at the end uh, I, know, I don't even know that that's a season three thing. I, right. I know I know that's <laughs> further down the line, but I feel as though it's the sort of thing. It's it's very much a, uh, what do you want to call it? Like an indicator of where they're it, Like the idea of like the Xavier Magneto thing again, and when they team up against like, who do they team up against in the comics? I can't, my brain is fried right like now. Apocalypse? Yeah. Like something along those lines, like William's going to be the bigger threat. Because he is a virus. He's the Agent Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. I don't know. I'm just, again, we're just specu- speculating. But I think I think season three is going to, 
I feel like it's going to spend a lot of time developing those three characters, Bernard and Dolores and William, like after the park, you know, like what, what the park did to him and how he's going to recover from that and what it's going to do to his mentality, which again, he's already unhinged. We know he's like a psychopath. So how much further down that rabbit hole can he go? Uh, Yeah. The idea of William and Dolores or Bernard meeting in the real world like like her unsuspectingly showing up somewhere in his life i think that's pretty interesting but i don't know nick any thoughts on season three where you want it to go where you think it'll go i would really love some passage of time i would i would love if it started two years later or something like that just throw us into the mix a couple years later show us you know what's changed that's probably what it'll do. It'll set out further ahead and then like backtrack. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> to I explain it. I, honestly, if, if they were like, hey, season three takes place 50 years after season two, I'd be like, sweet. Like, I'm ready to just kind of leave a lot of this stuff behind and not let it dictate what's happening. And that's just genius as they would look the same because they're hosts. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's so rad. <laughs> I think that would be I think that'd be pretty cool. I mean, we'd ha- we'd be leaving behind like Felix and Sylvester and stuff, but I don't I just don't care like yeah. that that they're not main but characters. Would you? I mean, they could still come around too. you know, yeah, they'd be old. They could be. Or they could have recreated themselves as hosts. No, I wouldn't want that at all. I'd be like, <laughs> they're not important enough characters. No, like, I know. For me to like just <laughs> Maeve's henchmen. Yeah, exactly. And if, if if they just like disappeared, and like maybe like Maeve mentions them because I'm sure she'll she will be back. Like I, I don't need to see a lot of this. I don't need to see how Maeve gets. Like we we I feel like we're left kind of with a few sure things that like okay she's probably going to come back Hector and then they'll probably come back. I'd rather just like okay we're later and they're back you know what i mean yeah like what what are the to to get into the real meat of like how is dolores going to take the world right how are they even going to survive yeah like i'm not even i think that's going to be what season three is largely about is the survival of the species and less about like the, the take the global takeover yeah yeah which is the story that i think could be really cool and honestly there's plenty of opportunity for hbo to trim the bottom line i mean make this a more grounded story and just make it more like season one was that's the idea of staying out of the park is like they don't have to fly everybody out to utah or wherever they shot most of the stuff out in the desert uh they can stick around in more real world locations Mm -hmm. and not build a bunch of sets and um you know they won't necessarily be filming people on loops where they need to recreate the same scene hundreds of times and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and you don't so. need 50 extras to Yeah. You don't need 300 extras to act, you know, for that big finale there. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity to tell like a slightly smaller story, but equally as compelling. Yeah. Yeah, I I would like to see what Westworld means on a more uh outside of Westworld. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. What what the what the show means outside of Westworld, I think is it's an it's an interesting frontier. Honestly, sure. what I want and this is just just me but i think it'd be really cool to spend a couple episodes in another park that we have yet to see and some more new characters and watch how the you know what the domino effect of westworld's implosion is on the other parks what if what if we go to um (laughs) what if we go to roman world season season three is all roman world and like i don't know 
Crocodile Dundee world. And by the end of the season, they make it out to find Dolores and Bernard have been out there for hundreds of years. I'm in. Like that, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Crocodile but, Dundee world. I don't know. I couldn't think. I was like, what other, what other strange lands are there? Yeah, out, that's out a good back point. Paul, Paul Hogan's world. Paul, yeah, Hogan world. <laughs> it's Paul Hogan and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, man. And Hogan from uh, The Warriors 3. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. What, what do you think the other parks are? I don't know. We've like three. There's six, right? There are supposedly six total. Roman world, I think. It's probably. Yeah, oh, medieval. We don't have a medieval Roman world. and medieval world yeah. are potential contenders for is, there, is there like a full-on sci-fi world like space world they'll be able oh. to save a lot of money in medieval world by just reusing game of thrones footage so yeah just was turns out I that think, is medieval i world. think in future world there is a space world there is like Probably. a you go out to outer space zero g space world type thing which sign me up i will go tomorrow like i'm ready for that tomorrow world no well, that's too close to tomorrow yep. <laughs> we don't want to go there <laughs> sorry brad bird <laughs> sorry brad we love you um john carter world disney world that's oh, just disney world isn't it yeah oh. yep. that's true get it out all i'm getting when i search for future oh it's because i put a space in there some stupid james franco movie no offense oh you know what i think uh, yeah no anyway um Yeah, I don't know what the other places could be. DuckTales. DuckTales world? DuckTales world. Animated world? I yeah. think they would do themselves a disservice by saying that there's more parks and not at least giving us a hint of what they are. From interviews, it sounds like they were like, we wanted to leave those there for us to explore in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Dino world. Yeah. Whoa. Jurassic world. <laughs> yep. Honestly, I think Medieval World would be really cool to see. They'll lose money, though, because they're going to have to pay Chris Pratt. Yeah, there there have been people wanting Westeros World and, and the Game of Thrones. That would be the ultimate if the Game I of Thrones finale revealed that it was all just a Westworld <laughs> simulation. And it's none of it's real. That'd be pretty good. They were all hosts. Like, it ends in Anthony Athens turning away from like an observation window and being like, it's ready to open. <laughs> And then he just flies away <laughs> with his jetpack. Oh. Everyone freezes, and then yeah. yeah. Instead of hats, you all wear really bad wigs. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about though, because I don't watch Game of Thrones. So. That's okay. Yeah, no, I am excited. I'm still excited, despite overall being down on what season two ended up being. I am excited for more Westworld, regardless. I mean, I get that people were down about season two, but I like I'm not. Yeah. Even like I said, even my dislike for Dolores's story arc this season, I'm I've just grown to like it at this point because I liked everything else. I'm at a point where I feel like if I rewatch this in a year, I think a lot of my complaints might melt away now that I know what season two is. Probably going to rewatch it next week. Well, yeah, but you know. You know, stories have a way of doing that. Yeah. You watch it again. The second viewing. And swear, the almighty swear, second swear viewing. by the second viewing. Yep. It reveals reveals all. Yep. I don't know. The second time I saw Cloverfield, I thought it was terrible. 
Did you like it the first time? I did. I saw it in theaters. Oh yeah, I saw it in theaters too, but I didn't. I didn't like. I it. I didn't like it the first. The time. first time I saw it, I haven't watched I, it since. I saw so. it at uh, the Chinese theater in L.A. Mm. It was pretty epic. That's A lot cool. of people got up because they got sick. Mm, I could see that. Yeah. It's get, probably get they got to get good. It's probably my favorite Cloverfield movie. <laughs> Of the three you've seen. God, that third one? Yeah. It's something else. Have you watched it yet? Nope. Oh, boy. I have not wanted to spend the, the time on that. I highly recommend everybody rewatch season one. Yeah. If I, you have the time to do it, do it. I'm definitely going to. I think after after we're done with Preacher, I'll probably go back. You know, I think I've found some other new shows now that'll kind of keep me occupied. I'll finish The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. yeah. I discovered that uh, Home Improvement reruns are on oh, uh, almost every weeknight. Uh, Beautiful. And I didn't know this until a couple days ago. And I was like, wow. Now, there's a show that <laughs> simultaneously did not change at all. And yet kind of did. Like as your cast ages, you kind of, especially when there's kids involved, you yes. have to start evolving the storylines, which is pretty cool, actually. Yep. But that is a perfect time capsule of a show. Like if you're around our age, you remember being young when that was like on. And uh, it was literally our family. So, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I always yeah. saw. Out so of that, it. that's a fun one. Like, it's fun to go back and watch other older sitcoms like Cheers and stuff like that, which carry their own nostalgia. But they're a little before our time. Yeah. Or a lot before our time, I guess. Uh, and they're fun to watch. And you can remember what that era was was like or probably like. But then when you watch a show that you remember from like when you were young and then you watch it kind of recontextualized as, as an adult it can actually be really interesting that one's always interesting for me not uh, apparently we're starting the midwest uh home improvement <laughs> nerds podcast honestly it's probably the only it's <laughs> the probably most the most positive tv show it's probably the most positive <laughs> reflection of the detroit area too ever <laughs> in media like they they there are so many call outs to cities that no one else like in the one that was on the other night they talk about saginaw and i was like see no one would know There's, what the hell there was is. one episode in like season two where they're like oh you want to go see a movie down at the berkeley theater and i was like Phew. right yeah that's pretty yeah nuts. they had one where they talked about pontiac a few times too yeah I think. it comes up a lot he's always wearing like western michigan sweatshirts yeah, and yeah. Like all kinds of stuff jackets. like that but the the, the what thing are, that's name, interesting name something to else me. that's painted Detroit in such a positive light. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's interesting to me is watching the first season of that show and realize, like, to me, I was like, I didn't realize that the '90s ever felt like the '80s. But that that or like the like oh yeah the the, car- the, carryover. the, ble- the carryover between decades is something that is inherently interesting for me somehow where it's like it's not like 1989 feels like 1990 but like 1992 still looks like 1985 for some reason and it's it's just, I don't know I think it, it usually takes I think they say like two to three years into a decade for it to like become remove the trappings of the prior decade yeah which is. If you look at like the three, a lot of the three years, like 53, 63, 73, 83, 93, that's when you'll start to see things like shift. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's crazy. But anyway. We digress. We <laughs> certainly digress. If you want to see the, the home improvement nerds. Yeah. If you're interested <laughs> in, uh, in uh, what, what would we call it? How long would that take to watch? I, oh, my God. It would be the Binford Files. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Binford Let me, I gotta, that sounds like a hard sci-fi spin-off of Home Improvement. I gotta go buy be, that be, uh, <laughs> domain name the, right now. The Binford Files and the theme song would be a bit crushed version of the Home Improvement theme song. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And you, no, you we just play it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> what would his grunt sound like backwards? 
Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it kind of sounds that you know it kind of does this so it might sound <laughs> yeah, the same actually <laughs> <laughs> the binfordfiles.com only 12.99 somebody Bam. go buy it for us but anyway i think that's it for this season of westworld <laughs> fm <laughs> if, hey I'll, if our if our patreon hits 65 bucks uh we will buy the binford files and start a home improvement <laughs> podcast it, it ran for 203 episodes. Yep. Shit. So yep. we could, uh, if we did one episode <laughs> per show, oh my God, I didn't <laughs> want to think about it. It would take us like four years. Yeah. No, It'd you be, could do, because you could probably, they're half hour episodes, so you do two two episodes per podcast episode. Maybe. Or one per, and they would just be short podcasts. They, be they, honest, did, they had a few episodes I, that were like carryovers too, like to be continued yeah. ones, so you'd probably want to hit those at the same time. All right. Alex says this is enough. We're going to end this. <laughs> Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can find email us at westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Um, yeah. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin MacLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for this season of Westworld FM. We are excited for the next season of Westworld, and our podcast will probably come out after that starts. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.